It's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. <laughs> How about that? You should have been pulled in the forefront they have faith in you. You should have been It's time for another edition of the Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Welcome to another edition where Michael Govier and Christopher Deary break down fantasy baseball. It's the final week of the season. We're settled in and ready to rock. We're going to talk about who was amazing, who disappointed, and who is going to be a game changer in 2021. We're not putting a lot of stock in this 60-game skirmish of a season, but we will do our best to break it all down for you. Take it away, boys! Well, welcome in to the Hey, It's a Rico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. My name is Michael Govier, and you are listening to... A show about baseball. We are wrapping up the 2020 season. I'm here with my dedicated host, as always, Mr. Christopher Deary. Chris, uh, this is it. This is the final week of that 2020 skirmish they called the baseball season. How do you feel about it? It went by so fast. <laughs> really did. Yeah, like... Because there was short. We waited forever for baseball to start back up. And I guess I didn't realize how fast it would go. Maybe it makes me think about how long like a real 162-game season is. That just seems like forever. But, uh, yeah, if they ever want to shorten the season to 60 games, I, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> I agree. Um, this was – we all tried to put on a good face for this one, but I was always, like, not real in, into it. I always thought it was bogus, but uh, I got sucked into it enough where I competed, played fantasy, tried to do my best. Had too many teams, and, uh, you know, that's just the way it was. So I'm, I'm going to look back at this as just like a fluke, a random moment in time, and I don't really care to analyze the season much beyond beyond 2020. Yeah, uh, you've kind of been talking about that all year, about how, like, no one's going to care about this season when you look back on it. Uh, it's going to be like a, a tarnished championship because it's not a real season. So you really feel that way still, right? I absolutely do. I'm in the championship of uh, my main league, the head-to-head league, and everyone's so pissed that I'm in the title game probably because <laughs> I was telling everybody going into the playoffs, I'm like, this doesn't mean shit. I only want to win the title just so nobody else can brag about it ever. That's my sole purpose. I won't even count it as a championship, <laughs> but I just want to make sure nobody else can brag about this victory. And I'm close. I'm very close. Okay, so that's just fantasy, but are you going to feel that way about like the normal MLB season? Like no one will care? It's not going to matter? This season? Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I don't think we'll be looking back for like data points from this season much at all. We'll be like, well, so, so here's kind of what I've been thinking about. So you got teams like the Twins, the Yankees, the Rays, the Dodgers, the Braves. These are all teams that were probably going to make the playoffs anyways, right? In a normal 162 game season. Yes. I think winning it all now is going to be harder than it would have been in a 162-game season with just 12 teams in the playoffs. I mean, you're going to have 16 teams. There's going to be a short three-game stint to start it off. There's no home field advantage advantage at all. 
I think it's going to be really fucking hard to win the World Series. And I, I think I'm going to give a lot of credit to the team that does win it. So I'm actually taking a lot of uh, value into this playoff and maybe not into the whole season overall. I mean, there's some teams that certainly would not make the playoffs in a 162-game season. But, uh, you know, whoever ends up winning it, I'm going to be pretty damn impressed. Wow. All right. Well, this is the Palazzo Podcast. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. You can follow us there. Send us a DM. Ask us about fantasy questions. You know, once in a while you guys do that. And I hand out information as best I can. I got to send a shout out to uh, my guy on Twitter, Stretch. Uh, he asks a lot of questions and he's very active. And sometimes I don't always come through for him and I feel bad about that. But as long as you know that I'm just trying to do my best and getting someone else to give you a second opinion is always a good thing. So, Thanks, Stretch, uh, for reaching out, asking questions. He's the uh, he's the guy that I will most remember for giving fantasy advice to in this season. So, oh, Stretch, all right, yeah, he is a good dude. Um, uh, you know, he's had a lot of quandaries that were just so bogus, though. Like, he's like, "Who would you rather start? Would you rather start Madison Bumgarner or um, I don't know, uh, just like like they were really bad choices. I can't even think. Oh, uh, Nick Pavetta, uh, <laughs> no, what?" No, I'm just kidding with Nick Pavetta. That was actually Nick Pavetta burned him in a league, but he'd ask me like tough questions like that. I'm like, I don't like any of these options. Like, do you like Mad Bum or would you rather have Sean Manaya or in Coors Field? Like, these are tough assignments. They were not easy. And uh, I didn't always have the right answer, but I just want to know that I tried my best. And uh, that's all I can say about that. That's all. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Oh my God! Don't don't get into Forrest Gump. My buddy Bennett was over the other day, and we were just quoting Forrest Gump for like four hours. It was getting really out of control. <laughs> you were wow, that's yeah. strange. I didn't even know that. Wow, that's weird. Um, I'd, like, I'd like to get on your movie podcast and talk about Forrest Gump a little bit. I got a lot of issues with that movie. Yeah, you know we haven't done that one yet, and uh, we'd be open to doing that. We could maybe we could arrange something. We get Bennett on. We get a big crew on and talk about it because that movie. Yeah. Uh, that's actually an interesting does it hold up yeah it's changed a lot in the uh in the past 25 years i agree uh all right so this is a baseball show fantasy baseball <laughs> show and deary's excited about the playoffs um i i mean i'm excited about the playoffs i guess i, I i'm gonna settle in and watch it because it's gonna be interesting there's gonna be fun matchups there's a lot of baseball jammed into a couple of days right off the bat so let's talk about it real quick. Um, you're going to be settling in, like watching eight games in one day? Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, in the end, it's still baseball, and I love baseball so much. Um, you know, obviously, fantasy for myself has been over for a couple of weeks. But, yeah, I'll, I'll be settling in. You know, i got to throw my bets out there, too. So, Oh, yeah. i got to find, like, a mid-range team that doesn't have, like, the best odds to win it that could possibly win it. Last year, I took the Nationals, which worked out pretty well. So, uh made a lot of options well mike clevenger left today's start with bicep tightness so that's gonna be a problem the padres went all in to get a guy like clevenger and bank on a possible title this season and if they can't rely on him in the playoffs that's gonna be a big bummer to their rotation because they really needed him you know they got denelson lament has been outstanding he's been really good in this tiny little season and then there was clevenger zach davies has been a revelation i'll give you that chris paddock has been hurt up and down garrett richards uh, I don't know if you can rely on him. He might have been a better bullpen piece. So without Clevenger, I think that really hurts the Padres' chances. What do you think of that? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously they can mash the ball, but to win a World Series, you need to have some deep pitching, uh, not only with your starters, but your bullpen as well. And if Clevenger's a no-go, that's definitely going to, you know, hurt their chances going forward because, I mean, right now they're 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 kind of they're kind of locked in at that uh the four spot. Uh the Dodgers have already wrapped up. They're obviously they have a better record than the Braves and Cubs, but Braves and Cubs will be getting the two or two and three seeds. So they're gonna be the four seed, which uh is probably putting them in uh second round playing the Dodgers. Wow. Yeah, this see this this is why this one play this is the only fun thing about this 2020 season to me is this goofy ass playoff with all these teams. You know, I would love to see the opening round matchup of Minnesota and New York, just so we could watch New York dismantle the Twins one more time. Because you know it'll, ha- it'll totally happen, and it makes me feel bad that they'd have to go head to head in the first round. But with the last few days here, deciding first round matchups and division titles, the White Sox are thirty four and twenty one coming into today. The Yankees thirty two and twenty three. Minnesota's thirty four and twenty two. So it's a really really tight race between Minnesota and Chicago for that AL Central. Cleveland will probably get the third spot unless they. Unless something weird happens, because uh, I don't see that changing. No, I mean, the Indians already locked in. They're already locked in at the seven seed. Uh, Are they locked they're, in? They're locked in. They'll be the first wild card, because you got your division winners, and then yeah. second place in each division. Then you got your two wild cards. The Indians are already locked in at number seven. Um, I think it's going to be really important to win the AL Central, because if you finish sec- second in the Central, you're playing the Yankees. Yes. That's the problem here. This is our concern. I mean, if if Cleveland's if Cleveland wins out, they're playing the White Sox right now. They're tied at one, and they play the White Sox on Thursday, and then they close with three-game series against the Pirates. So if somehow Cleveland wins both of these White Sox games and then sweeps the Pirates, I think they could still move in the contention. That's not out of the question. They can still win the division? Right. They're 31-24. and 24. They're three games back, so it's not over yet. It's not yeah. technically over. I but make it really interesting going down the stretch here. If the White Sox win tonight, it's over. The Cleveland will lock be locked into that. So that, yeah. that will be a, a determining factor. You're right. Okay. Okay. But I, I agree. That's that's where it gets really interesting with these matchups. So I'll, I'm really, I can't wait to watch a bunch of baseball in a row. I, I'm so excited that the Blue Jays will be in the playoffs. The Blue Jays are a fun team. They're not going to do anything because their pitching is god-awful. But <laughs> it's still cool to have the Blue Jays in there. And what's really tantalizing is this wildcard matchups in the NL because there's four teams in a dead heat. You got Cincinnati, Milwaukee, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. And even, and that's, that's four teams for two spots right now. And even Miami has slipped back. They're 28 and 27. So really it's five. And if you look at the Cardinals being 27 and 25, that's six teams. So really it's a, I don't know how they're going to sort that out. And they said, there's not going to be any tiebreaker games. Yeah. You got, I mean, the top four is already set. Um, in the National League with, you know, Dodgers, Braves, Cubs winning their divisions, um, and then, you know, the Padres in the four. But after that, it's, it's yeah, you got what? You got six, seven teams here fighting for four spots? Yeah. You really six do. You have four spots. The St. Louis uh, right. played less games, too, and they have a possible outstanding doubleheader against Detroit next week that the, I think they will play because it's going to yeah. have to be done. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at some of these teams that have been streaking. I mean, the, the, the Reds have been on fire. Uh, the Phillies have started to come back to earth a little bit. Uh, and the Brewers have been playing really well. And these teams are especially a team like the Reds can be really dangerous because they can throw Trevor Bauer out there. Um, the Brewers bullpen obviously can help them out a ton. Um, and I, I, 
whoever ends up playing the Cubs in the first round, I think they're going to beat the Cubs because unless the Cubs can just have you Darvish pitch every damn game, like they they don't they don't hit. The Cubs have just the Cubs are similar to the Indians. They just don't hit. Um, and it's what's going to make the Indians so uh, canalizing the American League is, you know, they could throw several pitchers out there that could dominate you. Um, and that's why they're going to be scary in the first round. But uh, I think the Cubs are going down first round, whoever's playing. What? Yeah, dude, Cubs are trash. They got the pitching, though. Yeah, but... Um, they throw Darvish see. and Hendricks. I like that a lot. Yeah. Is Javi Baez going to show up? Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo? All I don't three think they will show up. All I think, three I think they... terrible years. Anthony Rizzo swinging a good bat this week. He's hit uh, that's two straight games with a home run, so that's positive. That's positive. But I just think it's that pitching and the clutch hitting. They'll be just clutch enough with the hitting, and the pitching will get them over. Because if you can throw out Hendricks and Darvish at the beginning of a series, I just think that's pretty formidable and should be enough. But it'll still be tight. It's, we're going to look at a lot of tight series here, and there could be a ton of game fives. Because they're remember, they're, they're best of fives, right? you got first win. First team to three wins wins the series. No, first isn't uh I thought the first is it best of five the first round? I thought it was best of three the first round. Oh shit, is it? I mean, see, what do I know? God, and then the second round's best of five, I believe. Oh, best of three? That's garbage. Yeah, best of three. It's a, it's a total mess. That's like well, yeah, and, that's and even the better for the Cubs then. Well, in the way it's set up is you don't even travel, you stay at that that park for all three games. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We got California and Texas will be hosting each bubble, each bubble, from the moment the playoffs start, right? No, that starts second round. Oh, that's NLDS only. Yeah. Ah, uh, see, the folks were learning on this show. What the hell do we know? I mean, it's I haven't I haven't even dug into the playoffs as much because I've been so focused on trying to win a championship here. So hey, I'm learning like you guys are. It's all so damn confusing. These rules are changing constantly. Um, you know, I was I was thinking more about last week when you started talking about Manfred was saying about having like host sites for the playoffs moving forward, right? Yeah, that's a fucking terrible idea. Wait, wait, wait. Say say, say that again. You didn't you state last week that Manfred talked about having like basically host sites for the playoffs moving forward next year? Well, no, I just said that they would like to keep this format going forward. Well, what do you mean by this format? multiple teams not necessarily they would go back to the old ways of hosting but there would be 16 oh. teams or 12 teams 14. Oh, God. yeah no it's my worst nightmare that's what they're alluding to i mean he, he doesn't have the power to just make that happen right away but yeah. he said he alluded to the fact that the owners have liked this model for a while and they're very interested in maintaining it so that's um, all he said but um, yeah manfred's a douche he's a turd Everyone knows Manfred's a turd. The people usually in power and control of situations are people that we can't count on. They don't understand the game. They don't understand the situation. It's amazing how they get there. It's usually because they kiss ass or they just knew how to just keep their mouth shut long enough. And the next thing you know, you find yourself in a seat of power. So congratulations. What a wonderful, what a wonderful job you've done. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, sorry. I, I, I misheard what you said last week. I thought you were talking about them doing like, Host sites for all the playoffs. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! I'm never going to no. be able to go to a fucking playoff game again. No, well, yeah, well, the Tigers, you won't, because the Tigers won't be in one for a while. But uh, yeah. Hey, by the way, Rod Gottenheuer, he retired. How do you feel about that, dearie? Uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, 
I didn't see him come back next year. I was I, so I wasn't surprised. It's not like I gave a lot of thought into it, but when he announced it, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, he is he is a little older. Um, he knows this is a you know a rebuilding project. I think he he kind of came over just to say you know oh you know I I did it again. Went out and you know he probably had the itch to do some managing again, and uh, and that's it. So we're going to be on a search for a new manager. Oh boy, uh, I'll tell you what. We have more injuries, too, besides Clevenger today. Max Fried left after the first inning with a twisted ankle. That's a bummer. He just oh, got good. back off the uh, IL, and the oh, Braves good. really need him. Yeah. Oh, that's devastating because Braves are my team. I love I love the Braves. Yeah, well, they've had a couple of playoff disappointments in a row, and now they're going to go into a playoff series where it's a best of three, and their pitching is just trash, man. I mean, Ian Anderson's good. He's been good. Uh, Cole yep. Hamels is back, so that's positive. Uh, Cole Hamels actually looked good in his first start because when we talked last week with um, our good friend there, Micah, who was on the show, Fantasy Central on Twitter, we were talking about what will Hamels offer, what can we expect from him, and he ended up having a solid start that night. So that's a positive for the Braves as well. And Hamels may help you out this week in Fantasy Leagues for those of you that decided to pick him up or stashed him in your IL. Well, I think the Braves are just going to try to mash themselves to the World Series. I mean, they led the majors in, in runs this year. Uh, you know, guys like Adam Duvall put up like 16, 17 home runs. Uh, Marcelo Zuno was a fantastic signing for him. He was huge for them this year. And Dansby Swanson was great, too. And obviously, Freddie Freeman, who is my MVP for the National League this year. Uh, you know, really? Stellar numbers. Freddie Freeman, huh? 12 home runs, 51 RBIs. 41 walks. He's bitten, he batting around 350, OBP around 460, slugging of 650, OPS of 1.110. That's real nice. That's a solid MVP season. Um, Juan Soto got a little bit of a late start, and he's been able to match those stats, but they're on a garbage team. This year. Yeah, God, yeah, the Nats were absolute garbage this year. Yeah, 50, 50 less at-bats than Freeman. I would have really loved to have seen what Soto would have been able to do. You know, it's crazy. Soto had a really good season. And Trey Turner, you know, a guy that you were super high on, you know, he, although he's, uh, you know, had some injury issues here and there, uh, he also had a great season, but pitching he wasn't. Steal the 12 bases, and he didn't steal bases for like the first 10 or 12 games. So, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, but, how many, yeah, that's probably like third or fourth best in the league. I know uh, Mondesi stole 20, even though he batted 200. And I think Trevor Story had. 14 or 15 and yeah after that i think turner turner maybe a handful of other guys well a lot of guys started out slow and then they started picking it up and i think many people jumped the gun by assuming that these little spurts or these little periods of poor production were valid or that it meant that they were not going to get the job done or that they were trash now and i think a lot of people jumped on mondesi a little too soon and that's why you should never make any proclamations during a 60 game skirmish <laughs> of a season. You know, yeah. Montessi is doing what Montessi does now. He's still in a ton of bases. He's not going to be a great hitter for average. You know that he doesn't walk at all. So that hasn't changed, but he's provided production that you wanted. So don't make assumptions this I, I just feel bad for any of us that made too many assumptions too soon in a tiny little season like this and let's wait till we get back to 2021 and where everything will be normal again dearie and as far as players that were outstanding and really didn't get talked about Corey seager deserves a lot of credit he's mashed the ball this year and 
really was not a lot of talk about him. I've been very impressed. He's hit 320, OBP 375, OPS just under, just under 1,000. And, he, and he's been relatively healthy. There hasn't been any major uh, injury bugaboos. So Corey Seager deserves credit for that. He's hit the hell out of the ball, too. His stat cast numbers are really solid. They support a lot of what he's doing. And he's still young. So as far as Dynasty World Keeper Leagues go, I hope that you would have bought in on Corey Seager before your deadline this season because I think if he's healthy, his stack has numbers are outstanding. I mean, he's in the top of all of baseball and exit velocity, hard hit percentage, and all the expected stats, barreling, even his K percentage. He's been really able to limit his strikeouts. And I, I think Corey Seager is a buy, a high top three, top three round pick next year, maybe top two. I think everybody just kind of forgot about Corey Seager. I mean, 2016, he batted over 300 as a rookie, had 100 runs, almost 200 hits, 26 home runs. Um, you know, it was pretty solid his next year after that. Then he got injured. Then he had a down year last year where really there wasn't too much power. And, you know, he had 19 home runs last year in 134 games. And in 47 games this year, he put up 14. So, uh, yeah, he's a guy that, like, I think he was just kind of forgot about at the start of the season. But, you know, he was a big prospect for them. He's still super young. Uh, you know, another guy that, you know, I think we talked about him a lot more and, you know, at the start of the season, you know, hoping for a, a comeback for a guy that had a lot of value a few years ago. And that's Will Myers. Will Myers came back yeah. to play this year. Um, obviously, he's surrounded by a fantastic lineup there that, like, everybody was mashing. Uh, you know, Manny Machado had another, you know, career year. Uh, Tatis broke out this year. Trent Grisham, you know, helped them a lot. Jake Cronenworth's going to be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year. And I think all those guys surrounding Myers, you know, really helped Will figure it out. And, you know, he ended up putting up a top 30 fantasy season. He absolutely did, dear. That's a great call. Will Myers has been outstanding he provided immense return especially when you think about where he was being drafted and for some people he was really an afterthought the 282 that was the average adp when most drafts finished up around july 282 wow. so you're getting massive return on that investment right now because he's been he's been outstanding the power and he's hit clutch home runs, and he's driven in a ton of runs. He, he only has uh, two steals, I believe. So he hasn't stolen as much as I'd like to see because he could steal more. But uh, this is also Will Myers, Corey Seager. These are great players. They do have the pedigree to back up what they're doing. But again, it's only it's only like a first half of a first half. You know, we're talking 50 games here on these players. And <laughs> I mean, it's great. It's great. But if we're going to rip people for... If we're not okay, if we're not going to jump the gun on people who didn't perform right away, like Alberto Mondesi, we don't want to jump the gun on him. We don't want to jump the gun on how great these guys have been. It looks good, but maybe I, I'm actually retracting what I said a few minutes ago about the Corey Seager being a top three, top top three rounder, like third round pick. That might be a little too high. Maybe he's more like a fifth rounder, but that's still solid. I think that's where he belongs. Maybe fourth, fifth round in 12, uh, 12 team leagues. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Tim Anderson. I think Tim Anderson could have been the MVP. He got hurt, so he missed a little bit of time, but he's probably going to win. He might win another batting championship, which is stupid. I hate saying that. <laughs> 60 game batting championships. It's just, they're not going to mean as much. At least he won a real batting championship last year, so he can always hang his hat on that. Yeah. That's fine. Just yeah, like I, I say, 
I think he's still chasing LeMahieu, um, which LeMahieu has a batting title as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're right on that. Like, it, it, to to win a batting title over a 162 game season is super impressive. Obviously, neither of these guys were probably going to bat 350 by the end of the year. Um, I see both of them more as like a 330 to 340 average, which is still pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah, Tim Anderson just like. He was out for a few weeks, came back, immediately started to mash the ball, and uh, 353 average. But, yeah, 60-game batting title, uh, is that going to be on your Hall of Fame plaque? I don't know. What about Luke Voigt? Luke Voigt was the first to crack 20 home runs. In fact, I still think he's the only one. I know Jose Abreu has 19. He's very close. But Luke Voigt's got 21 bombs, but he's only got an OBP of 336. I feel like that's that should be higher. He's hitting 273. Huh. He's got a he's got an OPS of 980. I feel like that OBP should be higher than 336, and he's he's walked 16 times. I feel like he should have walked more than that, but maybe that's why he hasn't walked as much because they just keep serving up bombs to him. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what are we thinking about Luke Voigt for next season? Luke Voigt has clearly moved up the charts. He's a great player, I believe, because he's he's had uh, spurts like this. He's he's done this uh, two seasons ago. I know he's had some injury last year, but he can do this. So does this put him in the top five first baseman? Yeah, I think so. He's someone that we both of us really liked coming into the season. He was more of kind of an ADP of like 210 to like 230, depending on what type of league you're in. And, you know, he's he's pretty much like a top 20 guy now. I'd buy into it just because, like, he's shown the last couple of years that he can hit for power. Uh, and he's always going to be in a really great lineup as long as he's playing in New York and, you know, hitting in that band box over there. So, uh He's going to be a guy that's probably going to be a top five, top six first baseman next year. He does not hit the ball as hard as you might think for a guy who has 21 home runs, but his expected stats all kind of bear out what he's doing. He barrels the ball very, very well. He's very elite in that category this season, 14% barrel rate. But, um, you know, his hard hit rate is not as, or his exit velocity don't ring true. But then again, you know, exit velocity can, that could be a tricky one because it averages bunts and everything, and you need to go deeper into the stats on exit velocity. So don't take that as like the end all be all. Still, he's performed well. I like Luke Voigt. I'll I won't be as high on him because his value is going to skyrocket next year, and you probably won't get as much value next season. So that's gonna that's gonna go bye bye. But hey, that's the way it goes. This is the Plaza Podcast. We're talking about, you know, kind of season review here, looking at players, see how they did, how we feel about them as we head into 2021. Uh, Deary, anybody else uh, pop into your mind that you want to say, man, what the hell? Or awesome. Great job. Here's, here's what's interesting, and I'd really like to know where this guy's ADP is going to be next year and where he's going to project out. out. Uh, Corbin Burns. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. A lot of talk about Corbin Burns because he's been on a tear. Yeah, it's funny. Like, uh, you, I remember it was like his first start of the season, and we were talking about, like, you know, you were really excited about him. I believe he was going against the Cubs that day. Didn't really have the greatest start, but he's just been on an absolute tear. Um, 1.17 or 1.77 ERA in 56 uh-huh. innings. What's really impressive is his K per nine, 13.39. He strikes guys out, ER, or a whip under one. I'd be really interested to see where he projects out at next year. Uh, he's pretty much a top five, top six fantasy starting pitcher this year, depending on on what leagues you play in. So I'll be really interested to see where his ADP is next year. 
Um, most preseason rankings had him around 400 this past year, so it's going to be. Uh, I'm intrigued to to see uh, what what holds what what the future holds for Mr. Corbin Burns. He's only given up one home run. That's impressive. That seems unrealistic, though. One home run, 56 innings pitched. That's great. That's outstanding. It that puts him in like uh, you know, Luis Castillo territory until Luis Castillo ran into a couple bad ones. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's given up two home runs. You know, he's a ground ball pitcher, so that's to be expected. But Corbin Burns has walked 22 guys, which is one more than Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber has 21 walks. And he just hasn't had as many innings pitched as Bieber. Bieber has 21 more innings pitched. Uh, I love Burns. He's been outstanding uh, on my main squad. I've been riding him, and I've been loving it. I don't know if I can keep him, though, because it's just not big enough of a sample size. I I feel like there's going to be a regression if this was a full season that played out. Um, I can't prove that, obviously, because we'll never know for sure, right? And I love his stuff. He's... uh, my buddy Paul Bamino over on rotofanatic.com, he did a whole thing about Corbin Burns a couple weeks ago for his weekly GPS report, and he talked about the changes that Burns made with his pitch mix. And He completely stopped throwing his four-seamer and started throwing the cutter and the sinker a lot more, and it really changed the outcomes he was getting, and it's been really, obviously, very successful. So if those are real changes that are permanent, then maybe I should be buying more into what I'm seeing because all the expected stats, expected ERA, expected batting average, uh, they're all bearing out. Expected Woba. They're all in elite territory. The, everything he's doing, I guess he should be doing. So maybe, uh, maybe I just got to buy in fully and just. I don't know why I'm being paranoid. I'm just, I'm just afraid. I, I just feel like it seems like such a leap from last year. I guess. Yeah, the the, the difference with Corbin Burns. I mean, you said he's given up one home run this year. Last year, he gave up 17 home runs in just 49 innings. Holy cow! Isn't that nuts? So yeah, it's his, it's his third year in the league. So obviously he's made some changes and figured it out. He's 25 years old, so he's still super young. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, what makes everyone or should make everyone nervous is that it's such a small sample size. You know, what would he be able to do over 180 innings compared to just 56? Would there be some regression? Wow, man, that is that is just mind blowing, man. The fact that. He's pitched the same amount of innings this season as he did all last year as a reliever, and he's given up one home run to 17. That's wow! I got That's mind blowing. Well done, good stat, Jerry. Um, as far as other players that uh were amazing this year, Kenta Maeda took it to another. He's been good. Everyone else, Kenta Maeda has been good, but he's always been limited by innings and tinkering with the Dodgers. But now he's in Minnesota, and he's basically he's been their ace, right? I don't think. I mean, Pineda's come back and been real good, but Maeda's been there all season. He floated with a no-hitter that one night. This came so close until uh, it fell apart because of Eric Sogard. But Kenta Maeda, are we looking at him as a like a top 100 player next year, or is that too high? No, I I, I think that's fair. Uh, he was about 150 to 170 this year. I mean, he's dependable. He's someone who proved it in L.A. as a starter, proved it you know, and that long relief role in the bullpen, he's a guy who doesn't walk people, doesn't give up a ton of hits. His ERA is probably going to sit right around three and he's going to strike guys out and he's on a really, really good team. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. If his ADP was 155 for this season, then it's if moving it up to a hundred doesn't seem unreasonable to me because he's no. been so consistent. He gets the strikeouts, keeps a low whip. Everything he's done has been 
useful. There's nothing he's brought to the table. You're like, oh man, his repertoire is bumming me out. You know, he's giving up too many home runs or things like that. He's just not doing any of that. So Kenta Maeda deserves a lot of credit for being 32 years old, going to a new team and keeping up all of his expected stats. They're all, they're all being bought into by StatCast. StatCast buys everything that he's doing and he's really good at not giving up hard hit balls, keeping exit velocity down. So I don't, I don't see any negatives. I really don't. He doesn't throw as hard as like certain pitchers do, but he's a gamer and he's been in the league for a long time. He knows how to pitch, right? Yeah. I don't care if he throws, you know, 90, 91 miles per hour. If you know where to place the ball, I mean, Greg Maddox wasn't a fireballer and he's a hall of famer right now. So if you know how to pitch, it doesn't matter how hard you can throw it. And he's a gamer. Well, speaking of a guy like Greg Maddox, Zach Davies reminds me of him this season because He's really got a lot out of that changeup. He's increased the changeup usage tremendously, and he's getting a lot more strikeouts than he ever did. I don't know what to make of him because he got traded from the Brewers. He was a part of the Trent Grisham deal, and he left the Brewers, and now he's in San Diego, and he's going to be on a competing team in 2021. He's going to have a full season where he could, if you're still playing a league that has wins, you could probably win 15 games at least, and... He'll be the number three or four starter probably behind Lamette and Clevenger and Paddock. Uh, what do we make of Davies here? What do you think of Mr. Zach Davies in 2021? I don't know. It's, it's a total mystery to me. I mean, he's still kind of young. He's 27 years old. I mean, he, he, I mean, so, you know, when he was with Milwaukee and he was a starter, you know, 16 and 17, you know, he, you know, started 28 games and 33 games. His ERA was under four. It was respectable. It wasn't wasn't terrible. He was kind of you know a, a you know maybe a fourth starter on a team and yeah had some injuries in 18 and you know last year he wasn't terrible. 160 innings, 3.55 ERA, whip a little too high still, but uh yeah he's kind of figured it out this year. Uh, I don't know. I I don't see myself you know rostering him next year, but certainly if you're on a in a league where wins matter. I mean, he's got seven wins and 11 starts right now. So, you know, he could be a 15 game winner for the Padres. The Padres are certainly going to be competing next year. And even if that ERA jumps up a little bit, which I, I expect it will be more towards three and a half. I, I think he's still, you know, someone who could have some value, but um, he's going to have to show it to me, you know, at the early start of next season. Yeah, that's true. He's fifth is 399 era of 285 so a little bit of a gulf yeah, a little bit of a gulf there that's something to look at but it's a career high in k9 again small sample though i mean he was able to do he had a 7.44 k9 back in 2016 and he's at 8.14 right now uh the walks basically have stayed the same uh, it's just the change up usage to me and that's what's changed and elevated his strikeout totals but we don't know if that would last over a whole season and we'll never ever know that and that's why 2020 will always <laughs> mess with everybody it's always going to mess with everyone i swear but you know, as we roll on uh, there's other players that i just i just don't know what to do with like dominic smith really has played outstanding for the mets this year he's been really good and he was a highly touted prospect who kind of got caught in the gears of the mets having too many batters just not enough at bats and then when cespedes left and more opportunities opened up they finally let him play every day, and he's broken out. Even though it's a you know forty, he's played forty eight games, and he hasn't even had two hundred at bats. But in one hundred sixty seven at bats, you know ten homers, he's got OPS of a thousand, hitting three twenty, 
OBP of 380, slugging of 620. I mean, that's he's doing it. This guy has the stuff and he's making it happen. Uh, doesn't strike out a ton. I mean, he strikes out a fair amount, but he's not like a, a whiff master. He makes good contact. What do we what do we do with uh, Dominic Smith next year? Because uh, if first base looks so bad coming into the season, first base is starting to look a lot better when you look at guys like Luke Voigt and Dominic Smith. I think I probably buy in next year on Dom Smith. Uh, very interested to see where his ADP will be next year. Uh, this year it was Jesus. It was close to 400, and he turned out to be a top, you know, 30, top 40 player. Uh, I'm, I'm buying. I'm buying in. I think the Mets are going to have a big bounce back next year. Uh, they're going to, you know, have Syndergaard back. Hopefully, he's fully healthy. Michael Conforto showed that he can, uh, you know, contribute a ton. Him and Dom Smith had great years. Uh, Jeff McNeil has been able to hit over 300 all year. Maybe Pete Alonso has a little bit of a bounce back. He's been better in the last few weeks. So I, I think their offense is is looking pretty good going into next year. Uh, you know, a guy like Brandon Nimmo really helped them out in the leadoff spot, you know, getting a lot of walks. So I, I think they're in a good spot there. Um, and, and the bullpen has been pretty good, too. So it's kind of surprising that the Mets didn't have a better season than than they had. But uh, I'll, I'll buy killed him. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll buy in on Dobbs. I mean, it was DeGrom, and it's shockingly, uh, uh, my friend Matt Williams brought this up earlier today, that Rick Porcello somehow has, like, decent numbers when you look at them, <laughs> which is kind of mind-blowing to me. And uh, I was really taken aback because they haven't had starters that have helped them out in any way. If you look at Rick Porcello's numbers for this season, Rick Porcello has a 546 ERA. 546. It's not good. But he's got a 3.14 FIP. So what's going on there? Yeah, I I think That's Rick's a huge divide. I, I think Rick's a good pitcher. I mean, he won the Cy Young two years ago. That never should have happened. That never should have happened. Oh, Verlander oh, should have won that oh, one. Yes, of course. Verlander should have won that one. Rest in peace, Justin Verlander. Oh, um, it's, right, it's <laughs> over. Oh, yeah, that's actually a good point. Uh, what do we think of Verlander? Is it over? No. Um, I, but I, you're I, Dynasty I, then. What do you do in Dynasty? Uh, well, he's not pitching next year, so right. But it's if it's dynasty, you know, we're looking long term keeper leagues, dynasty leagues. I mean, what's the he's value? Gonna be, he's going to be thirty nine when he comes back. I mean, how many how many spots do you have on your team? I mean, who knows? Maybe COVID just ramps up again, or we get some new plague, and there is no baseball in in two years. So, uh, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. But <laughs> I mean. He's going to be 39 when he comes back. I mean, I'm sure there might be some type of limit li- innings limit then. And, you know, how, how much is he going to take care of himself after this? I mean, he's got his World Series. He's got his MVP. He's a surefire Hall of Famer right now. Uh, a lot of people in Detroit are talking about him coming back to Detroit for one more year. Oh, really? I haven't heard that one. Yeah, he could be our closer. <laughs> Full of John Smoltz. That'd be interesting. All right, so let's get back to Porcello then, yeah. Um, Porcello well, yeah, is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like so. Yeah, he had an awful year last year with the Red Sox after winning that Cy Young. Um, I thought coming on over to the Mets, uh, you know, would rejuvenate him a little bit. I mean, he's not a number one or two starter. I've never seen him like that. I've always seen him as like a a solid number three. And that's kind of what he was with the Tigers when he started becoming really good. And, you know, he's got a lot. He's got a lot of track on that arm because he's been in the league since he was Jesus 20 years old now. Um, Yeah, so that 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 FIP seems to play out a little better than what his real ERA is. And, uh, we'll it see. It does for I'm, his career too. It's, yeah. 
we'll we'll see if he can bounce back next year. And he he could be someone who could actually give you really really good value if, if these numbers actually you know span out to what they should be next year. Yeah, his 2016 Cy Young year uh, he had a WAR of 5.1, and that is definitely the outlier because <laughs> he's never had a WAR of four in any other season. So he he just. He had one of those years. It happened. And his FIP, his career FIP is 406. His ERA is 439. That's a pretty big margin for a career, I feel like. So maybe he's been let down by defense at times. He's a very heavy ground ball pitcher. As we know from our days in Detroit, he was all about the double play and keeping the ball on the ground. But I just, Rick Porcello, I agree. He's always been a guy that I felt was like, uh, he was the number one pick and he paid, they paid a lot of money. They brought him up right away. He was ready to go at a very young age, at 20 years old, I believe. Yep. And he never seemed like he was a number three or maybe at most he was a number three because he didn't have that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't ever know what the, I'm not sure what the attraction was in the first place. That's what baffles me. Why was this guy so highly touted because he could develop nasty stuff. I, I feel like you come in with stuff and then you try to harness it and go from there. Yeah. I never, I mean, he never threw super hard. I mean, he, he's got a two-seamer that that always seemed to move pretty well, a decent curveball, but yeah, he never really blew anyone away with his stuff. I mean, right. that year he won the Cy Young, he was just able to get out of jams when people were on base, and he was obviously on a, a world championship team there. Uh, really odd. It was his career high for left on base percentage, 74% that year. So that's a good point. Yeah, he just was able to get out of jams. His K for nine was 7.6 in that Cy Young year. He pitched... He, I think I kind of just looked old fashioned. He pitched 223 innings. So people were probably like, wow, you know, it's an ERA of over three. I just don't know how that ever happened. Whatever. Okay. We're not going to spend the whole show on that. Sorry, everybody. Rick Porcello, uh, just wanted you guys to know that his FIP is like two runs lower than his ERA, which is a weird number. So it deserves oh. mention. Oh, I got to bring this up. Is Byron Buxton going to be a power hitter now? Um, Have maybe? you seen? Have you seen what he's done the last two weeks? Yeah, he's put up a, a bunch of home runs, but he doesn't do anything else. Yeah, it's dumb. He's got 13 it's home runs. Dumb. It's 13 home runs. I hate Byron Buxton. I said the start of the season. Uh -huh. He's been out of the league in two years. He's been Ooh. on a home run binge. I mean, what can I say? I, nuts. He's had the swing to hit home runs, so it's doable. But, I mean, he's had, he's had two, he's had a couple multi home run games this year. <laughs> And he's hit eight in September, which is a nice number. He's out doing DJ Stewart. My guy, DJ Stewart, was on a tear for a while, and he cooled off. But Buxton is not walking, and he's not stealing. And I wonder if the Twins have said, no more running. We don't want you to get hurt. We just, we <laughs> want, you're going to get hurt playing defense, Byron. So just stick to playing defense, and hopefully if we reduce the running, then maybe, just maybe, we'll have you around for a little bit longer because he has one stolen base in September. Compared to eight home runs. It's weird because they're leading them off now. They're always batting them ninth. So they're leading them off now? Holy cow. Yeah, they're, lead, they're leading. And th this is what makes it really interesting because going into next year, if he's their leadoff hitter, like he's going to he's gonna have some value. He will. I agree with that. Uh, the injury bug is always ready to go. And I feel like if Jorge Polanco had had a better season, he would have been a better leadoff hitter. Uh, even a guy that was in the number two slot, but he's really just not done anything. That's actually, that's one of my disappointments is Polanco. I really liked him a lot, and I thought his value 
right around like 140 ADP was great. I thought you were going to get a lot of return on that. And uh, that has just not been the case this year. Jorge Blanco has been a fairly disappointing player who's not shown the pop that he had shown. And th- I just feel like this would be a slow first half. I really feel like there's a whole <laughs> other second half in him. I know. It's not fair. You know what we should have done in all our fantasy leagues? Is we should have done this 60 game and then a full season next year. Interesting. Wait, wait. wait. So how would that work? I have no idea. It just popped in my head. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm always interested in new ideas. Uh, Polanco has had an elite strikeout percentage. He's top 10 in the league, 14% Ks. So he doesn't strike out a lot. He's making contact, but he's not hitting it hard. And that's one of the things that people said about him coming into the season, that his detractors. So I guess yeah. his detractors have been right about that. But he has stolen four steals already. That's as much as he had last year, I believe. So that was nice. But overall, his OBP is at 316, and he was a guy who got on base and walked more. His, his walk percentage is down 2%. Polanco is a guy I was disappointed in. I waited and waited and waited, and it has not happened. But that's how it goes. You know, that's fantasy baseball. And this is the Palazzo Podcast. We're just kind of doing a year review. We're taking a look at players, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And we head into 2021. What's their value? How do we identify it? What are the markers that make you say, whoa, I really like what I'm seeing here? Let's talk about the elites for a second. I've been ripping on Mike Trout on Twitter for the last two weeks. Why? Because, because he's not performing in September. And he doesn't perform in September. And this is like a, this is like a thing. It's not a it's not some made up wanting to be a negative dude about Mike Trout. I love Mike Trout. But this month he's not doing much of anything. The last 2 weeks in particular, he only has one home run. He's got an ISO of like 150. Uh he's not doing anything that's helping you win. If you have a fantasy playoff right now, he's not helping you in any way. And last year he had surgery on September 7th, so he missed most of the playoffs if you have a head-to-head fantasy league with playoffs or any format that has end-of-season playoffs. So, And then I started digging deeper. In 2018, he had a home run spurt, which would have been like roughly the final week of the season. So he gets a pass in 2018. But 2017, again, a lot of low numbers, not, not a lot of power, no steals. And uh, 2016, more of the same. And I just feel like Mike Trout is a guy who's incredible. He's a legend. He's one of the greatest to ever do it. But he's not there for you in September. Sleepless nights, man. He's got a baby. (laughs) I know he didn't (laughs) want to play this year anyways, but this this is a trend, man. So, I mean, there's I would consider, you know, if if you have Mike Trout in redraft leagues, ride my – I'm talking redraft, not dynasty and keeper leagues. That's different, but – Redraft leagues, draft Trout, enjoy the ride, then trade him at the trade deadline for a massive haul. I'm telling you, it's going to pay off in the end. You're going to get more production than you would if you held on to him. It's interesting. It hey, is. Yeah. If he's not producing in the week that you are going to need him most if you make the final, yeah, I mean, you think about it. That's where it matters most. and That's just for those types of leagues, obviously. But, you know, Roto leagues, whatever, it's different. Uh, but I was thinking about him versus, you know, the top picks next year. How did you think the top picks looked this year? Did we make the right choices with Ronald Acuna being the number one overall Roto pick? Uh, what would we do differently this year? And how does it look for 2021? 
Uh, let's see. I mean, I, t- I took Acuna in, in, in a couple of my leagues. I ha- have him in my keeper league. He was hampered by a few injuries. Uh, when he did come back, he looked looked pretty good, scored a ton of runs. Um, I mean, he's never going to hit for the greatest average. He's going to be a 260 to 280 hitter. Uh, OPS was still over 1,000 in 143 at-bats. Um, I think there's no problem with him being number one through number five next year. But what about Juan Soto? People are making a push that Juan Soto should be the number one pick. He has one less steal than Ronald Acuna right now. Is that fair? And he's got an OBP that is blows Acuna's away, 484 to 418. Yeah, I thought I thought Soto was a top five player going coming into this year, fantasy wise. And I mean, he put up legendary numbers compared to Acuna. They have the same amount of ABs, and what Soto was able to do, 345. One one six three. I mean, the guy gets on base. I, I love his approach at the at at the plate. Uh, I would not be surprised if he ends up going number one next year. I mean, there's going to be a few guys in the mix next year. I mean, Acuna, Betts, um, you know, Soto. A lot of people are going to like. A lot of people like Tatis. What about Yelich's drop off? Oh man, it's sixty Is he games. Still a first right? rounder? Yeah, it's sixty games. That's what I'm saying. What if he had like a hundred twenty game tear? I, I, I think he's I think he's absolutely still a first rounder. I mean, this is a guy that and th- and this is what I was saying about the Brewers a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, the Brewers are like are this second half team, and he did it in his MVP season where he just went nuts the last month and a half. And you know, maybe it takes him four months to get warmed up, but uh I think he's still a top ten guy next year. Yeah, it's so interesting you said that about Soto and Acuna. You're right. They had the same amount of walks, but Soto had 13 more hits. He's got 50 hits already. Uh, home runs are identical, but that OBP is and that average are way higher for Soto, but that could just be a good stretch. I mean, Acuna, like you said, has been hurt twice and he's still like battling with Soto for similar numbers. I think that says a lot and mm-hmm. I am not changing my opinion of Ronald Acuna at all. Uh, it, it, any... Acuna got off to a terrible start too. Yeah. And he had two injury stints. And if you throw it all, he had the hamstring where he missed like five games and he had the wrist injury. Juan Soto is the guy who just deserves to be bumped up. I think Juan Soto should be in the top five next year for sure. And I already felt, I agree with you. I felt like that coming into the season. Um, You know, Mookie Betts proved that it doesn't matter where he plays. He's stealing bags. He's hitting home runs. Dodgers, uh, Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine is a great place to hit. And people seem to think it's a pitcher's park. And it's a very dated, um, dated myth. Because if you look at the park factors, You'll find uh, you can go to rotofanatic.com. Actually, my buddy Crosby Spencer, he's got great data, uh, updated information, includes stat cast and his own expected stats. And Dodger Park is a great place to hit for certain hitters. So don't be don't be fooled by the past. You got to think what's happening now and where those parks are offering opportunity, because like City Field was one of the three fields that was rumored to have a humidor uh, this season. Fenway Park and City Field. And T-Mobile, I believe, in Seattle, they were t- they they didn't mention it right away, but there was an article that revealed that they were working with humidors this season. But City Field, New York Mets offense has been outstanding. They've been smoking the ball at home, so that's not been a problem. It's very strange. Are we going to be able to smoke cigars in these humidors? <laughs> Is that what no, they, they put cigars in humidors? Yeah. I don't know anything about cigars. I'm <laughs> very cigar ignorant. I admit that freely. They, I don't see the benefit. There's nothing fun about a cigar. I don't get it. No, no it's just like uh, the aesthetic of doing it. It's not. It's really not that cool. It's like chewing yeah. gum. 
Well, gum tastes good. I don't know. I, maybe there's a cigar that tastes good. It's like super expensive. I'll never know about. But <laughs> all I know is I, the only thing I like doing with cigars is like putting it in between your teeth and making that like ah, <laughs> like the yeah, penguin yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, you're like a like a cartoon gangster. Yeah, like a giant business tycoon is gonna rip everybody <laughs> off and leave everybody for dead. <laughs> All right, uh, a couple more names here. We'll wrap up the show. You've been listening to the Plaza Podcast. We're just kind of looking at the season review here. It's the last week of the regular season. Next week, uh, we'll be we'll still be on the air. We're going to talk postseason, so we're definitely into it, and we'll keep looking ahead with other fantasy tidbits for 2021. So don't abandon us because we're going to be here. Here's a guy I wanted to talk to you about because he's a real enigma. It's a real mystery with this guy. T. Oscar Hernandez. Yes, I wanted to bring him up as well. What do you got? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I, I like <laughs> what I'm seeing. I like what he does. He's got power speed combo. I don't think he's a three hundred three hitter though. Um, and I don't think he's gonna walk as much as I'd like him to. And that's where I got a concern. I, I just think he had a couple of massive power binges, and that gives me pause i like his game but i don't think that he should jump into an elite category for 2021 no no it's it, it it's not elite i mean yeah this was a guy adp started the season was you know 270s 280s and he put up this this weird year 16 home runs you know 303 average 866 ops on a you know a, a toronto offense that's been able to you know possibly get him into the playoffs here which is pretty exciting you know and young he got team. hurt He's a he's a young guy as well. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be really sneaky. I mean, he had five steals as well. I mean, what does that you know count out to in a 162 game season? So uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, you know, he's a, he's an outfielder. He doesn't have any dual eligibility anywhere. Uh, you know, research is starting now for next year. <laughs> yeah, I think this is what we're going to have to start doing because we're you know with with it being such a short season, a guy like a T. Oscar Hernandez. Like you're really gonna have to dive deep into some of these numbers to see what his value is gonna be next year. Well, he got hurt and he missed some time, and then he comes back and he's hitting home runs again. So it almost seems like it doesn't matter what happens if he can stay healthy. That is a benefit for him. Now his okay, so his walk percentage this year is six point nine. Last year in 125 games, it was a nine point seven, almost ten percent. That's I'd like to see that up. I'd like to see his walk percentage up. His K percentage came down a tad from 33 to 30. And again, though, we're talking a, a 460 plate appearances to just under 200. Mm -hmm. um, a 617 slugging percentage. I don't see that to be sustainable. Um, I don't know. He's definitely an interesting guy. I, I think he's top 150 at minimum. I really do. I think he's a top 150 player for 2021, regardless. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think so. I, Maybe people will say a little bit lower than that, and some people might say a little bit higher, but I think anywhere from 125 to 150 range, uh, I'd be happy taking Teoscar Hernandez, but I I would need to see more. I, we've had two full seasons of him playing. In 2018 and 2019, he had basically two full seasons. And the power, that seemed to be real because he hit 22 and 26 home runs apiece. And now if he took a next step in his age 27 season, that seems logical. So I think the power is totally legit. I just wonder about the rest of the game and the contact percentage and all that. The plate discipline, really. That's where that's where I get concerned. But otherwise, I think I'm I think I'm definitely intrigued for next year. 
What do you think of Anthony Rendon for 2021? Should we just dismiss this little skirmish of his and focus on what we've seen overall? Because if healthy, you got Trout and a healthy Otani and a healthy Rendon and a healthy Upton and a healthy Jared Walsh. This, this Jared Walsh guy has taken off recently, so there seems to be bats in the lineup. David Fletcher is a solid bat that can get on base and they can drive him in. I see a lot of potential with the offense for this team. I liked Rendon as, you know, a top three third baseman coming into this year, just behind Bregman and Arenado. And he's blown Bregman and Arenado out of the water this year with, with, with their numbers, obviously not as good as what Jose Ramirez has done. Cause he he's put up a hell of a season for a really, really, you know, difficult lineup that doesn't score a ton of runs for the Indians. I mean, he could possibly be the AL MVP on a team that just doesn't score runs, but, uh, I'd buy in on Rendon next year. Um, I probably don't have him in my top 12 like I did this year, but I, I think he's still a top five third baseman. I think Machado with the season he had, he's probably bumped up a little bit. But, uh, you know, a lot of people are expecting a ton out of the Angels, specifically their offense. I did not buy into it at the start of the season. I'm not sure if you did either. Um, I did. But I think you did. Okay. I was, I was, I really thought it would be a fun year. I really loved Otani as a hitter more than anything. And that was mm -hmm. a big, I got burned on that one because it hasn't gone well. Well, yeah, I think what the Angels need to do is say, screw this whole pitching thing with Otani. Just let him go out there and, uh, you know, hit. And if that whole lineup's healthy, like, you have the legendary Mike Trout in your lineup. If, if Ron, Rondon is going to be batting right behind him, he's always going to have the great RBI opportunities. And I think he's just going to be a solid player next year. I, I, I don't see – you know, any regression from him. So he's not someone that, you know, you should be scared about drafting next year. Yeah. Otani is a hitter. I'm, now I'm starting to think a lot about Shohei Otani is a hitter. I, but what do you think they should, should they abandon the pitching? So they just say, you know what, let's just end this and let's just focus on the hitting. What, what do you think? Yeah, abso absolutely. I mean, you know, arm issues, he, you know, did come back and, uh, you know, was pitching like shit anyways. Uh, I always thought he was a better hitter. You know, we talked about it. I think we talked about it with Michael last week and, just, you know, the mental aspect of having to do both and, you know, mm -hmm. what that might take out of you, you know, especially if, you know, someone who was a really, really good pitcher, you know, when he played overseas and comes over here and hoping to be able to do, do both. And that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy to have to do both. I think if he can just focus on one, and I, I think he's a guy who can be a really, really good hitter. Steel yeah. bases, um, he could, you know, really be a good fantasy you know, asset to a lot of different teams. So I think they need to abandon that pitching thing, give, give them just a full spring training of, of getting at bat, start, you know, learning more about, you know, you know, you know, hitting and being around, you know, other really great hitters in that lineup. And I think he could thrive. I totally agree. I would love to see them abandon the pitching, focus on the hitting. I really think this guy's a 30, 30 guy. I, he really does have that profile. He's six foot four, 210 pounds. He's a big guy. He's got a great lefty stroke. He walks, he steals, and, I mean, that was the only saving grace is that he stole seven bases in this limited engagement. But he's been benched lately against lefties. He didn't play for five straight days and five straight games, and people thought it was over. Like, they're, oh, we're just going to shut him down for the season. But then he showed back up, and he hit a home run. And this guy, I really love his bat, and I just hope his bat gets a chance to flourish. That's how I feel about Mr. Otani. You did mention one other name I wanted to ask you about. You said Bregman. And what Micah said last week, Mr. At Fantasy Central One on Twitter, Micah Henry said that Bregman was not a 40 home run guy. And I don't I don't know if we got a chance to talk about that. And I'm curious what you think about it, because 
with all the scandal, the buzzer stuff and the trash cans and with all that kind of moving away. And as we head forward into 2021, Bregman was a number two overall pick. So he's certainly a legitimate hitter. But what do you think is I'm not sure if he is a 40 home run guy. Well, this is one of those things where it goes the other way. You have an elite guy the last couple of years that had a really down season with just four home runs. What if he had 400 more at bats? What happens? Does does he put up 25 more home runs and then he gets closer to 30? Maybe he's not a 40 home run guy, uh, but the guy obviously has the power. We saw it in the home run derby last year. He's got power. He's got a home run swing. He just had a really bad year. A lot of these Astros did. It's kind of amazing that the Astros are, are you know, locked into being in the playoffs because, you know, between him and Altuve, they just they had real down seasons. Yeah, he had a 168 weighted runs created plus last year. That's over a full season. That's elite, elite, elite. And sure, he had 41 bombs last year. He had 31 in 18, though. So he's shown 230 home run seasons at minimum. So I agree. The power is probably there. It's still, I don't know if it's 40, but he's still going to get the job done. He's got a, his bat speed is elite. It's he, he really gets his hands through the zone quickly and that's not going to change. So I don't, I don't think I'd be that concerned about it, but maybe, uh, you know, maybe we're looking at a different profile. Maybe this, he walks a lot. That's not also not going to change. He does have excellent plate discipline. You know, 423 on base last year. So, I, I would say you're probably right. Let's not put a lot of stock into this brief little skirmish of a of a thing that we just had called the baseball season. And let's give Alex Bregman some more time. All right. Uh, anything else, dear? Anybody else that you were dying to talk about that we didn't cover? Uh, I don't. Th- I don't think so. Yeah, we got a, we covered a lot of players. Yeah, we we got next week and the week after. we we, we sure do we got 2021 to look forward to uh we love doing the show and we appreciate you guys listening palazzo podcast on twitter two l's two z's of course send us your dms send us tweets let us know what's on your mind i know baseball season's wrapping up on sunday but the postseason is just getting started so uh, we'll be following along we'll we'll be chatting about the postseason but then we'll we'll mix in our fantasy thoughts because there's so many more players that we could talk about i could there's a lot a lot to cover, and I can't wait to get the rankings going and get everything organized. It's going to be a good time, right? Yeah, I, th- I think we need to do our uh, kind of top 20 uh, projected for next year. I think that'd be fun to release here in the next couple pods. And uh, when does the playoffs start? Does it start Wednesday, maybe? Tuesday. Tuesday? It's the, yeah, it's the day. Monday is an open date, and that's probably when the Cardinals will play that doubleheader against the Tigers, and then wow. Tuesday everything gets going. Okay. So if the Cardinals make it, uh, they're going <laughs> to – I mean – you just got to get in. So I, I guess pitching rotations and stuff. I was actually thinking about this. One last thing I want to ask you. So uh, Garrett Cole is supposed to be a two-star pitcher this week, but his next starts on Sunday. Do you think it's possible the Yankees say, well, let's just push it so he could be our opening starter? Or do they want to have him for like game three in case it gets that far? Well, I mean, he won't, he won't pitch on, he, he will not pitch on Sunday if they already know that they're locked into, you know, a spot. I mean, he won't. How, many are, how many are they back of the Rays? Can they oh, catch I, the Rays? I think, no, I think that's over. I, I mean, they're in the playoffs, but they're not going to get first place. I'm pretty oh, confident. Yeah, that, then they're, then they're locked in as the, as the four, four or five seed. So they're three so and a half games back. So it's technically yeah. it's possible, but a long yeah, shot. It, yeah. Don't even pitch them on Sunday. There's no reason to. I mean, they're going to be the four or five seed. Shit, really? Yeah. That's so good. I got him so, in my... Uh, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, oh, man, can I count on this start for Sunday? Because I've really been starting to weigh in my mind. So if you guys have 
if you guys have starters that are two starters that might be pitching on Sunday, you might want to consider that they might not be pitching if they're going to be going to the playoffs because that's they're definitely some managers would like to have their horse right off the bat, but it's also a three game series. So maybe they want to have them for the closeout. So I don't know. I, I get the, I think it depends on preference. I, I if I'm the Yankees here, I mean, I guess it's all going to depend when the Yankees start. You also kind of want to keep him on that same, you know, the same amount of days of rest. So maybe he comes out. Maybe he just throws like maybe four uh, or five innings. Yeah, that's that's a good point because they'll start on Tuesday. So they play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think. So if he pitched like three innings on Sunday and then. Yeah, maybe, maybe just on, get him to work and, uh, you know, just to. Yeah, maybe, maybe get four or five on thir- Yeah, yeah. And then maybe he pitched on Thursday. Or if they already closed it out, then he's the number. He's ready to go for the NLD, ALDS. So. Yeah, It'll be interesting. Very interesting to see. Uh, okay. Well, I'm uh, MJ Govier on Twitter. You can find me doing uh, whatever. Still talking baseball. I'm still around. You know, I've kind of slowed down some of the production at Roto Fanatic uh, with the season wrapping up. We're taking a look at everything that worked and what didn't work and with our podcast and the videos and the quality starts and all of our articles. We still got good stuff over there. So if you want to check it out, please do. Um, Deary, tell people where they can find you. Yeah, C. Deary, 1999 on Twitter. Uh, definitely going to be very active during the playoff here. Uh, been playing a lot of DFS lately. I've been doing pretty well, so uh, maybe I can give oh. some analysis on that in the next couple of weeks as well. There you go. Well, I think people love to hear that. And you're going to have, I'm sure you'll have some playoff bets. Deary's always betting on the playoffs, so stay tuned for that and more. All right, it's been the Plaza Podcast. We'll catch you next week. The ringside.